Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. My name is not the doctor. I don't know where you thought that was going, you weirdos. I'm just kidding. Uh, today's episode is very special. It's very unique. It is going to be a two-parter. It's on a topic that I really like. Uh, here in the office, me and Jacob, we are huge fans of the show. In fact, he wouldn't shut up about it. Sometimes I just want to fire him, even torture him. But unfortunately... Stupid things like the law will not allow me to do that. And trust me, I did extensive research on the issue. Anyway, sorry, I got sidetracked. Uh, Jacob, what's this episode about? Oh yeah, Doctor Who. Right. Doctor Who, arguably one of the best TV shows of all time. Its fan base is diverse, is as diverse as the Veggie Supreme from Domino's, with a hint of toxicity we like to call ego. To give you just a... A small synopsis, a summary, if you will. It's about a human-looking alien. You know, what a coincidence. Um, he's called the Doctor. Amazing name. He's from a species called the Time Lords. Um, I can, I can kind of see where the ego thing comes from, actually. Uh, so the Doctor is a sort of universal superhero, uh, quite literally. He travels through time and space through a, a blue telephone box from Britain in the 1960s. Uh, it's called TARDIS, T-A-R-D-I-S, which stands for, I don't think it's even canon. I think it is, actually. Uh, time and Relative Dimension in Space. What a coincidence, a British TV show and a spaceship looks like a British 1960s telephone box. So he travels throughout the universe. He explores what little he has not seen. He's very old, by the way. And he saves people along the way, which gives him the mantle of a hero. Um, it also has a killer soundtrack. It's so good. I can't play it because of copyright, but it's so good. It's even cooler than ours. Anyway, I'm speaking a bit too much now. Why not some more? Instance, um, you guys probably already know this, um, but the new doctor was announced. In I think his name is Inkuti Gawa Gatwa. What do you think of him? Yeah. Oh, well, I'm really excited here because, like, I haven't I haven't seen much of his acting, but I know that he's quite like a well accomplished actor, right? Yeah. So I'm definitely excited for what he's going to bring to the role. I think that he's going to be like interesting and yeah, I see no reason why he's not going to be an absolutely great doctor, especially with Russell T Davies writing him. That's um, that's what I think as well, because um, so people, so if you don't know who he is, he, if you watched a show called Sex Education, I think he was one of the secondary characters. He was the, um, he was the best friend of the main character. I don't remember the names, but yes, like, like Matthew. I'm very excited um, about this because, again, he's going to give a different take on the Doctor. So his character is, is very flamboyant in a sense. And the Doctor has always been flamboyant in a sense, like in a way. Um, you see this with the, with the different you know, outfit changes. You have um, number 11 going with the bow tie 
it's very nice it's, um and i would be very interesting to see how in the uh, inkutis gawa's character influences the, the doctor um i'm more interested in, in the outfit that he's going to be wearing would it be formal you know would it be you know something new something we've never seen before i think it would be a very interesting um change to, to the character in in a whole Yeah. Mm. And um then I think also the companion was announced. Unfortunately, I have no idea who she is. Um, I do apologize. She's probably an accomplished actor, actress. I don't, I don't know. And then again, I am excited. She she gives me the same vibes as Rose because they're both blondes. I know I haven't seen her in much but like I haven't seen her in anything, but um yeah, I'm sure she'll do well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know. Um, what else? And there's also the 60th anniversary. Very intriguing. Um, so we have Donna, Donna Noble coming back. Her dad. Unfortunately, the actor he has passed away. Uh, we have our prayers towards him. Um, he was a great man, great actor. I think he was one of my favorite characters in that whole arc in Doctor Who, because he was just so genuine and so honest towards the Doctor. He helped him. He helped speak to him. He helped him find the right path, the right of way. Um, it's a shame he he left us, but he's coming back as well. What do you think? What do you think of this cast coming back? Yeah, I'm excited, especially with I think his name's Bernard Cribbins, whoever. Like, honestly, it would be really nice to see those characters, especially because it's been so long, like now, since like the end of Ten and Zero. Yeah. To be nice to like look back and i don't think it ruins what was set up because it's been so long if you get what i mean mm-hmm. so like yeah i'm excited mm-hmm. i think so it's been about 10 years now since tenant ended his era it's been 10 years right 2012 2011 or something it's been about between uh, i think so yeah it, it might have even been longer than that. Could I think be. 2012 was the 50th. Yeah, yeah, that was the 50th. So, wow. Wow, just wow. So, at least 10 years, we have not seen um, Tenant on the on the big screen. And in, in, in the Doctor Who universe, obviously. So, it's very excited. Uh, if you guys also watched the show, you would know at the end, when Jody regenerates, she regenerates into Tenant. And what's even more interesting as well is her clothes regenerate as well. So her clothes transform into the classic, um, the classic brown suit, I believe, with the with the with the converse, you know, the the white converse. So what what, what do you think that means? Yeah, it really is weird to see the clothes change, especially because earlier on in the episode they didn't change when the Doctor regenerated into the Master. Um, I, I'm not entirely sure what it could mean, but like, I suppose it means there's something special about this regeneration beyond it being just tenant, right? Yeah, it's almost like it's going exactly back to who Tenant's Doctor is, because um, like when we hear the when we see the curator in the 50th anniversary, it, yes, it's clearly the fourth Doctor right but if i recall correctly he's not wearing the fourth doctor's clothes or outfit right 
So it'll be interesting to see why Tennant has appeared back in his old outfit. Yeah, I definitely agree. So personally, I thought uh, maybe Tennant always wanted to come back. I mean, not not as in the actor, but as in number 10. Always wanted to come back uh, and to the big screen because, you know, when he was regenerating, I think he was the only doctor that refused to regenerate. So if you remember correctly, Tennant regenerated twice, didn't he? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The first time he, re he regenerated, he just referred back to his own self. And even even Matt Smith, his doctor, he mentions this. He says he's number 12, not, not 11, because number 10 regenerated twice because he had quote-unquote vanity issues, um, which I found yeah. very funny, but at the same time, very true. It would be interesting if we see a return of Time Lord Victorious. I would love to see that. Yeah, that would be interesting. Mm -hmm. For people to be who... honest, Tenant, Tenant mm -hmm. regenerating into himself, yeah. I, I think what's kind of funny about that is I'm pretty sure that and then the War Doctor coming in and coming in the 50th anniversary really like pushed false Moffat into because you know how Moffat writes the finale and then all of a sudden it's like oh no the Doctor's going to run out of regenerations I feel like Moffat was going to set that up over like the course of a series and then all of a sudden because um Tennant had regenerated into himself and then we had the War Doctor it was like oh wait a minute he's got no time to actually do a full series delving into that so he just squeezed it into like the end of matt smith's era mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i agree i agree it's just it'll be interesting how they um how they embark on this regeneration and also you know something else about the regeneration of the doctor is since now thanks to i already forgot his name uh, Chibnall, thanks to how much he has just ruined the entire franchise, do you think that the, the Doctor has uh, uh, limited times of regeneration now? Because I don't think so. If he was technically the original, the one who gave the Time Lords their powers, that means he must he doesn't have a cap on his regenerations. He could be immortal. Yeah. Um, to be honest, like... I don't think the thing is right. Chibnall like made it so the Doctor was always immortal, right? But to be fair, I think by now the Doctor has essentially become immortal anyway, since like regenerating into Capaldi, because I feel like it was always going to be the the like the crack in time space or whatever or space time. I feel like that was just an excuse so that they didn't have to deal with another getting another regeneration cycle every however many regenerations so i don't know i'm thinking the doctor was already immortal before chibnall did what he did it's just annoying that chibnall made it that the doctor was always immortal mm, i agree I, I i dislike what he did in fact i dislike everything that he did we already mentioned this in the um in the first episode but lit like literally Everything he did was just so ass. Oh my god. Like, I, I don't know why um, he did what he did. You know, you know it would be funny if, if it was only Chibnall in the righteous room and maybe two other people. Um, so a lot of people now are discussing how... Rob, um, I was going to say Robert Downey Jr. 
then I realized that's not the guy's name. R RDJ, isn't it? The new, the new showrunner. RTD. RTD. My bad. Sorry, guys. There's a lot of acronyms out there. Um, so RTD. So there's been these rumors going around. So one, we, we already know that RTD is the one who requested um, the BBC to take him back as the showrunner for um, Doctor Who because he just, at least I like to think that he just couldn't help seeing the baby that he helped bring back to life because as well, RTD was the one who brought back the show, wasn't it? Because the show was, yeah. on, was on a hiatus for a few decades and then yeah, he brought it back. And so a lot of people are saying that there's definitely a chance that RTD is he's training a successor to be a showrunner after RTD. He's training someone to be the successor of Doctor Who. And I I don't know. I feel like that's I feel like that's a good thing. It's like insurance in a way, you know, you're you're making sure that the show, you know, it stays in good hands. It doesn't it doesn't go on a wild ride. But yeah. That's why I think Yeah, I'm I'm really hoping he gets in like a bunch of like guest writers and tries to get some people who like really love the show because I feel like thing is I think even Chibnall is like a big fan of the show right yeah but um I, I feel like there were I from what I know there weren't that actually that many options in terms of who the next Doctor Who showrunner was going to be and to me, it's the sort of show where there should be, like, loads of people who are, like, desperate to go be a showrunner for Doctor Who, if you get what I mean. Because it's just such an influential program. So it'd be nice if, like, Russell D. Davies could, like, build up hype around the show and get some, like, really good, talented people to be excited to work on it. Mm -hmm. 100% yes. I mean, I'm surprised that the BBC have not turned to their fans, because um, one, in terms of story ideas, I'm quite sure that a lot of people would have written a lot of fan fiction, and it's not in that sense, but in a way of um, they have their own or original ideas. It's the same of it's the same of as um, Star Wars Legends, right? A lot of the fans, um, they write a lot of the um, the lore in the universe. Uh, but that's all. If you guys want to know more, just listen to the to the Star Wars episode. It must should be out by now. Um, but yeah, a lot of fans have written a lot of stories, or at least they have pitched a lot of ideas for different kinds of episodes and arcs, and even whole seasons for Doctor Who. And I think it would be a step forward if the BBC even just like consider consider listening to the fans. I'm sure. Yeah, like you said, I'm sure there's someone out there who just wants to do the job job of a showrunner. I mean, I know I would love to do it. Yeah, uh, something interesting is classic Doctor Who. They used to get like pretty much all of their stories from like outsourcing to like just a anyone. They'd have people write in with story ideas, and um, th this did end up creating problems though, because you have things characters like the Daleks, right? Well, I'm not sure if the BBC owned them now. But for the longest time, the Daleks weren't owned by the BBC. And a lot of classic Doctor Who villains and that still aren't owned by the BBC, right? So, like, but, um, yeah, it, back in the day, they used to have people write loads. They even had, um, 
the guy who write who wrote Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, I, I forget who he is. Um, he wrote he sent in a script for Doctor Who, and he actually got declined in the end. But yeah, it'd be good to see them try to, I guess, outsource to the public for episode ideas. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, look, that's true. Like, like I said, if they just consider listening to the fans, I'm pretty sure the show would take a much more creative direction. I mean, at this, and like you said as well, they create problems. For example, have you ever watched the first episode of the of the classic Who? No, I haven't. So, so it's a very, it's a, uh, it's a very weird. It's, it's a, that era of Doctor Who was very odd in a sense because. A lot of the things, so it was very historically inaccurate. So unlike today's Doctor Who, it was very historically inaccurate in the sense that um, they just they did they, they did whatever they wanted. This was sh- one of the exa- best examples of this is the first episode where um, William Hartnell, the Doctor, with his with his granddaughter, and yes, he does have a granddaughter. They go to um, oh no, they don't let it go. They get chased or they get investigated by the teachers by two teachers. Um, from a school that his granddaughter attends and then when the teachers they come knocking on the TARDIS they end up going inside and they're like oh my god wow it's big on the inside that's insane and then I think they touch a few buttons or something happens and then they they get transported to the caveman times and just tell me how the cavemen um, one they have perfect British English I think that's because of the TARDIS but also like they can vote they have a whole democracy you know um, they can argue and like wow just wow um, for cavemen to I find be, it yeah I find it interesting because as much as that's unrealistic they actually had educational episodes uh, in the time of the first doctor where I'm pretty sure their whole goal was just to be just to educate people in history that's true so the show actually started as an educational show about history but then the more they take, they took the sci-fi route, the more they were like, you know what, guys, we got something here. This, this could be the start of something good, which it was. Um, interesting fact that Doctor Who, like the first episode aired on the same week that President John F. Kennedy was assassinated. That is how old the show is. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <coughs> So something else is that a lot of people were excited about. I don't know if this is confirmed, but the, the toy maker is coming back, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, so they confirmed it. He's he's being played by Neil Patrick Harris. Uh, I th- he's, I think, the second American actor to play a role in Doctor Who. The first one being Barrowman, I think. He played... Well, he... Oh, who did he play? I know, I know who well, he... Cat- who, yeah, he... Captain Jack Sparrow. Jack Sparrow, right? Cat- yeah. Uh, Hartness. My bad. Um, Jack Sparrow is the uh, the pirate. Um, he also then obviously becomes spoilers if you haven't watched the show. He becomes the face of Bo, which is just such an insane twist in my opinion, because I think it's it's, it's the same episode where the face of Bo dies because he was thought to be immortal, and that's because um, you know Captain Jack Harkness absorbs the time vortex of the of the TARDIS no, he no sorry that was Rose he just becomes immortal because of the TARDIS and you know just becomes immortal 
up and then apparently he dies. He becomes the face of Bo and millennia later, he meets the doctor once again in a hospital on a planet and then he dies. And in the same episode, episode it is revealed that one of Jack, uh, Cap Captain Jack's many names is the face of Bo. And that was, to me, when, when, I, when I watched that, I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Um, but yeah, so, second American actor to play a character in the Doctor Who universe, the Toymaker, also known as the Celestial Toymaker, or the Crystal Guardian, or the Mandarin. Interesting name. I don't know why they gave it the Mandarin. And so, if you guys, it's similar to, like, Squid Game. Have you, have you ever watched the show by any chance? Uh, yeah, I've watched Squid Game. Yeah, so, um, the Toymaker, he does something similar. So, what he, he would do is, and this is coming from the the fandom website for Doctor Who. The Toymaker was a powerful being who ensnared sentient beings in seemingly childish games with their freedom uh, as the stakes. However, the Toymaker hated to lose and the games were always rigged in his favor. So, pretty interesting. Interesting how the Toymaker will play games against the Doctor. Um, I think he could have the potential to be as frightening as the Weeping Angels. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, I'm. I'm really hoping they like. Thing is, I haven't seen the the Celestial Toy Maker in classic Doctor Who, but I'm really hoping that they put a lot of effort into it, making him like seem really smart and threatening. Because yeah, I don't know. It'd be nice to have somebody who seems on the level of the Doctor in terms of intelligence to make it actually seem like a big challenge. I agree because it's just like for the last few seasons that's obviously excluding the the, the master the doctor just seemed bored in my opinion this is especially in Jodie's case because most of her villains were the uh, the robots I, I keep forgetting everyone's names today uh, what were they called again? Oh, the Cybermen yeah I don't know why I keep forgetting but yeah so if you see most of most of Jodie's uh, enemies they just they weren't to her level in a sense so the, the Cybermen, the only reason they are frightening is because of their numbers and their durability. They can withstand a lot of pa a lot of attacks, and then they can also they also come in great numbers. And that was one of the main reasons why they were frightening. But other than that, they're not really smart. In fact, you know, what I think I think the Cybermen could be really like a horror episode if they really try their hardest. Um, the Cybermen could be a true horror episode or even a horror arc. It can be such an interesting take on the horror genre in Doctor Who and see how they can spin it that way. Yeah. To be honest, I think the Cybermen would work best if they um if they did like an episode you know how you've got the Doctor Light episode. Yeah. Um so like typically I think in the Russell T. Davies era, they due to filming schedules and that they always had one episode every series which didn't involve the doctor much so you've always got like you've got like in the first series you've got the um uh, i'm not sure what it is in the first series one of the episodes doesn't have much of the doctor in mm -hmm. and then you but then classic ones are like midnight so that was the midnight entity or whatever on the train oh wait that was a companion light wait mm -hmm. so no, the most famous uh, like Doctor Light episode is Blink, because it barely has the Doctor actually in it. Um, you've also got Love and Monsters, 
But an episode like that would be good for the Cybermen because you actually need the Cybermen to. Um, they're more threatening if you if you've got them against people because people can't really oppose the Cyberman. They can, but like not not by themselves, right? Whereas the Doctor, the Doctor can oppose the Cyberman. And um, it'll also be very interesting to see if they can... So I feel like what they can do every time the Cybermen are involved is make them... Because a lot... So Doctor Who in itself is a show made for kids at the end of the day. Not for kids in a sense, but I mean... They don't, they, they don't go into too much detail when it comes to violence. And when there is violence, you know, there isn't... There isn't blood, there isn't a lot of grit to it. I feel like what they can do for a Cyberman episode... Is like really get into that um, field of filmmaking, you know, like show show how terrifying the Cybermen can be, show like bloodied shields, show some bloodied metal, um, just see people screaming, just just like make it more realistic in a sense. I feel like that would appeal to a much larger audience um, because, and that will also because right now the Cybermen they're a joke, right? No one, I, I can confirm, no one is kind of the Cybermen and the Doctor Who audience. No one sees the Cybermen on the screen, and they're like, "Oh my God, that Doctor could die." No one does that anymore. That's that's outdated, I'm afraid. So I feel like if they want to bring back the audience, what they can do is really get into that field of grittiness and re- realism. Like show some blood, show some violence, show just how truly terrifying and horrible these um, Cybermen can be towards innocent people. I think that will be an interesting take on the Doctor Who um, show. Yeah. To be honest, I think they've done too much of the Cybermen at the moment because you've had the Cybermen played somewhat of a deep, they played a decent role in Tenant's era. But really, the problem comes with, um, with so for Capaldi, the Cybermen were a big part of his first series because they were the finale. And then the Cybermen were a big part of his final series. And in fact that was his final episode was absolutely like huge for like cybermen um and then you go into chibnall and he also goes all in on the cybermen i feel like they're just overdone at this point and i feel like the thing is i think the cybermen were done well in capaldi's era i I, for the most part and I, i just feel that we need a break because at the moment, the, if you're going to show the Cybermen for so many times, they're going to lose their like fear factor because when you see like when you see an enemy lose so much, they're not that much of a threat anymore. Yeah, exactly. I I agree, um, and I also agree. Yes, they have done a lot of the Cybermen. What they can do maybe is invent a new villain because. A lot of the things that they seem to be doing right now is trying to pull back from the classic series and bring back classic villains uh, as a form of to nostalgia bait people into watching the show again. What I think they can do is try to be a bit more creative and then maybe, just maybe, invent this new villain that can put on this um, terrifying, like, scary, scary way. Um, doesn't have to be like, does not have to be like the Cybermen, but it can be, it can be a, a new villain, like, I don't know, man. I, I don't know what to say, but I'm, I, that's what I'm saying. If they maybe try to make new villains, 
I think it would be an interesting take. So guys, this was this was this week's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. Um, I'm gonna force you to watch a second one next week with the Doctor Who Part Two episode coming out same time, hopefully, if I don't miss the de- deadline. Uh, yes, as usual. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you even made it to this point, and if you have any feedback, hit us up on the Instagram and the Twitter linked below in the description or in the show notes, as you like to call it. Um, Thank you very much. Bye-bye.